Hey, Seattle Nice listeners, quick word from our sponsor before we get going, the You Know Me Now podcast. We all have opinions about homelessness, but do you feel like you know the whole story? The You Know Me Now podcast does deep dive interviews with folks living on Seattle streets. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts or at youknowmenow.com. That's youknowmenow.com. Welcome to another edition of Seattle Nice. I'm David Hyde, here as always with Erica Barnett, Sandeep Kashik. This week, we're talking about Seattle City Attorney Ann Davison touting the High Utilizer Report. Uh, tell us what that is, and then tell us what is this new report touting, and then we'll hear from Erica. Yeah, so a year ago, very soon after Ann Davison got elected City Attorney, she announced uh, what was branded a high utilizers initiative. Uh, there have been various terms thrown around in the past, including um, uh, prolific offenders, right? But it, but the idea was that there is a small group, a relatively small cohort of people who are committing a vastly disproportionate amount of the petty uh, crime, things like shoplifting and theft, and that by focusing an initiative on those people, uh, uh, you can make a significant dent in crime. And so we're now a year into that effort, and they just put out a report on what the results of their of their focus was on a cohort of what turned out to be 168 people over the course of a year. And I think they're claiming, I think with a lot of justification, that there have been really significant positive results that have come out of this high utilizers um, initiative. Uh, positive results in terms of reducing the amount of crime that is being committed in the in this uh, in the city of Seattle. Yeah, I did. I did a report on this in public Publicola, and not surprisingly, I had a slightly different take. Um, <laughs> the uh, you know the level of the, the, the level of crime, um, you know, defined you know mostly as these kind of uh, misdemeanor, uh, petty crime sort of things that the city attorney's office is you know is mainly trying to deal with things like shoplifting downtown. Um, we're not actually seeing um, a major reduction in crime, and the and the report does not. Um, it attempts to claim that uh, crimes were prevented by this initiative, but you can't really, I mean, th there's no way to really prove that. It's just a statement um, and a, a, a very speculative statement at that. Um, what the uh, High Utilizers Initiative actually does is um, instead of sort of allowing people to go through um, community court uh, where they can access services uh, and, you know, perhaps treatment and things of this nature that, you know, would, would maybe address the root causes that cause, you know, people with addiction and severe mental illness to commit, um, you know, things like sh trespassing, shoplifting, um, you know, et cetera, um, or that contribute to those, um, to those crimes, um, we're just going to put them in jail. And and what um, what the the hope for the high utilizers initiative, I think, for people like Lisa Dugard um, at the Public Defender Association and um, at, you know, advocates for addressing root causes, the, the hope was that, you know, people would actually maybe be able to access services more, that it would be done in collaboration with these groups. Um, as the report shows, what actually happened is people were incapacitated successfully by putting them in jail for an average of four months. And while they were in jail, they were, you know, obviously not able to commit crimes. And therefore, I mean, basically what Davison is saying is, Jail is a successful way to prevent crimes. Now, 
you know, we have we have been through this debate many times before. Um, and Seattle in general has been on the side of, you know, incarcerating people uh, indefinitely and in large numbers is not a cost effective solution or a compassionate one or a very effective one. But Davison is is saying the opposite, that jailing people works. So, for, so look, look, let, let, let's be here. I think the first of all, the evidence I think they present that this initiative has had a significant impact in reducing lower level crimes in the city of Seattle, I think is actually really, really compelling, right? When you look at this cohort of 168 people, their evidence shows that they were being arrested an average of 6.3 times a year prior to this initiative. This cohort now was arrested on average only 2.7 times, right? Because Um, they were in jail. Yeah, because for a significant part of the time they were in jail. And you know what? To your point, before this initiative, what happened was they were kind of automatically diverted to, as you say, quote unquote, release first community court where they didn't connect to services or do it. I mean, they just got released. They, they basically gave community court the finger and they just cycled through and released over and over again, right well, back out Sonny, of the streets. I, I, I'm going to um, interrupt you right there. That's yeah, no, I, I've done finish. a lot of reporting on the actual individual people, and yeah. I looked at every yeah. single one of them. And uh-huh. to say that they just cycled through and jumped back to the street and didn't engage in any services is false and wrong. Well, that's not, that's just not bo- accurate. Bo- and you can look in this report, too, where they talk about the fact that with this cohort and this population, there was attempts made to kind of release people out of incarceration into treatment programs and other service programs. And aside from a handful of cases, it was a, 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 a pretty significant failure. And I can just kind of read from the executive summary of the report here. Um that, um, you know, the high utilizer initiative also worked with service providers to coordinate services for many individuals, including shelter and housing options after exiting jail and mandatory treatment programs in lieu of jail. While these efforts produced a handful of notable successes, the overall effort to get high utilizers to engage with services produced poor results. In particular, a significant number of individuals were released from jail to inpatient facilities for substance abuse disorders. In all but a few of those cases, the defendant absconded from the program within that, the first that, 24 oh, oh, hours. This, I'm so glad you focused on that because this yeah. absconded from treatment was perhaps the most infuriating thing about this report to <laughs> me as somebody who is extremely familiar with um, oh. with, with the issue of treatment and the, you know, the sort of, yes, but I, but I write about it and <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I wrote a, a book that's largely about it. Um, I know I've been through it. Now. I, yeah, but. Anyway, but no, but I mean, like, look, like putting people, I mean, we have a one size fits all treatment plan that says that every single person, um, must go uh, commit, go and succeed on the first try at 28 day residential treatment. And that is the only thing that they are talking about here. And even for people who go voluntarily completely on their own, you know, uh, something like a third to a half uh, don't complete and the vast majority relapse. And so in the definitions of this report, anybody who doesn't complete has absconded and anybody who relapses has failed. And if you, if those are going to be your terms, that is, then you are setting yourself up for failure. And this report is extremely smug, I would say, about the idea that, you know, these criminals are just absconding. And, and what it says is, you know, so what we need to really do is 
do forced treatment in jail and then send them to these same failing systems that don't work. So, uh, you know, I, I think so. We you know, should just release them to commit crimes again. And first of all, and, and secondly, well, no, no, we're talking about this report, Sundeep. And, right, and, what, and, I'm and, saying, and what you're not what addressing I'm, in your comment here is they're absconding within the first 24 hours. Right. This isn't like, oh, they went to that, treatment. Absolutely. And gave, well, uh, Sundeep. Yeah. What 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 is what what is within the what does that say to you about people when, if they if they abscond, which again I think is an incredibly like just loaded and you know and and um, insightful term, but um, uh, insight e i n c i t e I think yeah, it's yeah, insight yeah. hate <laughs> against you know these people and, and to sort of think well all we can do is lock them up because they're hopeless, but somebody leaves treatment in, in the first twenty four hours. Um, what does that say to you about the person that they just don't that they're just laughing it off and and no, happily I'm, I'm skipping out to go commit more? Fun I'm crimes? saying that that their their addiction issues are so great and that they're not at a point where they're ready to 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 you know get help. And so, what do you do in this situation with a small cohort of people that are engaging in? Um, repeated significant daily criminal activity on the streets of Seattle. Well, uh, da- daily is not identified You know that they're all addicts and they're all like fucking stealing like probably multiple times a day to buy blues or to buy meth or whatever. I mean, that's, that's the reality. You know, the mental illness also plays a role with this population. So, and so you think they get better by spending an average of four months locked up in King I, County, downtown jail? I, I, I you think, think that's a better outcome? I think society gets better, right? I mean, this is... That's the not the question focus. you asked, though. No, Sunny, that, Sunny, that, I'm answering that, your question. You said... You, you were asking me about these people who have severe addictions and are leaving treatment... And I, and, and, and I'm asking you, so you think that those people that you asked me about are getting better in jail or do we just not care? I don't know, but I think they're, they're at least being removed from the population. So they're not committing multiple crimes every day. So that's the carceral approach. So, so so let's let's be clear about about the definition. Fucking ridiculous, like semi abolitionist community court where these people are just sort of like semi abolitionist court to like go commit more fucking crimes and don't have to. Community court is is not a semi abolitionist.
we're going to arrest you and we're going to like arrest the fuck out of you. And you're going to be in jail for a third of you know your time on this, on, on this earth. Um, if that was such an effective approach, then the appropriate, you know, solution would be to extend that, you know, to be a population that's much, much larger, maybe 10 times larger, maybe everybody who's committed a crime downtown, let's just lock them all up. Um, we've got a jail, uh, let's so, just put them in there and, and overcrowd the fuck out of it again. So yeah. I, I just so the reason I say it's arbitrary is there's no like special identity for these people that, you know, the Ann Davison has, has chosen to target that, you know, they are the worst of the worst or, you know, the ones who most would benefit from being, you know, thrown in jail for four months at a time. Um, it's just, you know, Ann Davison believes that incarceration is a solution yeah. to the problems uh, that that plague our city, including mental illness and addiction. And, uh, you know, even if she doesn't believe it, that's the approach she's taken. So why not just jail everybody? The end result of the logic of your argument, Erica, is that nobody should ever go to jail ever, right? Like, because that's, uh, it's carceral. Like, if we jail one person, like, we're incarcerating them. That's so terrible. Like, oh, my God. Like, we're... So let me ask this question, because just to get the facts straight here, because the report says... Their estimate is that there was a there was about a twelve percent reduction in the number of arrests, you know, in the city of Seattle, misdemeanor arrests over the last year because of this program. And I think they have some pretty compelling evidence to back up that that estimate. Um, but I guess my question to you, Erica, is mm, no, I don't what's think the that's alternative what with this population? What would you be doing? So you don't like the fact that any of these people are going to jail for four months because they've, they're committing, you know, crimes on essentially a daily basis, right? So what are we supposed to do with these people? Well, I want to say first, I don't think that your number is correct. I think that you're referring to the, um, their, their speculative, you know, guess about there would be 750 fewer, um, it's basically. It's based on the the, the, the 6.3 crimes on average that they were committing prior to this program and that over the last year, each of these people on average was arrested 2.7 times as opposed to 6.3 times. Right. Okay. So you're talking about, you're talking about within this population. Yes. So so your question is, how would I build an entire new program that would substitute for the carceral system? Like, that's really the question you're asking me and you're presenting that as a fair question? Because what, 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 You've got to have some alternative other than because uh, otherwise all you're saying is we should let these guys people go and commit all the crimes they want, they're going to commit. Like, like, which seems kind of fucked up to me and like not a recipe for like solution, you know, like do, making anything better. First of all, yeah. the, the other thing to point out here. So, too, so I'll answer your question before I, you but, make but Let me just point. make a final point before you jump in here <laughs> is that a lot of these people. Not uh, jumping uh, in, trying to answer no, no, your no, question. Because uh, 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 the other thing this report points out is that. A, a shockingly high percentage of these people didn't survive the year, right? They died on the streets of Seattle. I think it was like nine, nine. It was, it was, well, the, the report is actually pretty lazy on that point. It says eight and seven. So, uh, all right, um, all, right all, all, all right. But, but, you know, and, and, and I can just tell you from my own, uh, uh, outside experience, for instance, like, you know, the kind of, kind of issues we're seeing at, at, at D, DSC, where I'm on the board with our, with the client population of, of, of DSC, like the, the, the fentanyl epidemic and the, and the overdose crisis that it's precipitating and the, and the, the, the number of fatalities that are being created by that are really terrible. It's a, you know, the, the, it's not like, I've said before, I used to be a heroin addict, right? I, I used heroin for a dozen years and at the end of it kind of 
walked away relatively, you know, unscathed, right? But I don't think people survive on fentanyl. For, I don't think people could, could have my experience now and expect to live through 12 years of a serious fentanyl addiction, right? In the way you could kind of with heroin. So anyway, so, so th- there's so that answer, problem too. Like, like, but, but, but go ahead so you've and respond. Raised, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you've raised two points. So I'll go back yeah. to your original question, yeah. um, which was how would you build an entirely new society and system where this, you know, where people wouldn't be committing petty crimes to feed addictions? I mean, I think it starts with housing. I think it starts with mental health care. I think it starts with harm reduction-based addiction treatment that does not consist of one-size-fits-all, 28-day uh, inpatient abstinence-based treatment followed by, you know, telling you you failed and have to go back to jail if you relapse. Um, I think that um, coercive approaches in general are not particularly successful. So that's where I would start. Housing, mental health care, and harm reduction-based, evidence-based treatment rather than forcing people into one-size-fits-all treatment either in jail or in, you know, off-site 28-day rehabilitation programs. Um, your second point about fentanyl ODs. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say that people are not going to overdose in jail. Now, people do overdose in jail. And actually, our jail, our downtown jail is incredibly dangerous because, you know, right now it is really understaffed. And people die in jail uh, with a frequency that is uh, quite alarming. Um, so I, I don't have the numbers um, at my fingertips of how many people died in jail during the time period of this report. But if eight people um, died, you know, from this cohort, and we don't know that those were all uh, from fentanyl, um, but, you know, that's about four and a half percent of the people in this cohort. Um, that's that's terrible. Um, You're right. In I one will year. say I will say that, you know, if you lock people who are addicted to opiates up in jail and then let them out, which is what is happening now, um, they are much more likely to overdose than uh, if they had been continually using. That is just a fact because when you go out and you haven't been using heroin or fentanyl or whatever, you know, your opiate of choice may be for a while, um, you use your usual dose and uh, that can very, very easily kill you. So uh, to suggest that jail is a solution to overdoses is also an oversimplification, I think. Well, I, I will agree. I, I think we are in agreement here that I think the, the current state of the jail is a is a really a semi-scandal that really uh, deserves a lot more uh, attention from the folks at the county. Uh, it's not just the understaffing, but the lack of, of re-entry programs and stuff in the jail is, is terrible, right? I mean, if, if you are going to lock people up, of course we should be trying to uh, use that time in ways to help people deal with their underlying issues. And the fact that we're not doing that nearly to the extent we should be, the fact that we don't have adequate staffing and that people are dying in the jail and that it is dangerous is fucked up, right? Like like that ought to be a priority and something we need to put more resources into or whatever else it takes to fix it and, and, and more creative thinking about how we can use that time. So, I, so I'm with agreement with you that, that the current state of the jail is not great. And, to, to be clear, six people, sorry, I looked up the number, six people died in the downtown jail uh, last year, four of them by suicide. So mm-hmm. pr- coming yeah. pretty close to that that seven or eight, um, and Davison isn't quite sure. Um, I mean, there's a lot more people that cycle the through the jail over over a year than this sort of 168 people we're talking about. So it's a little bit apples to oranges. But 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 nonetheless, you're right. That's still way too many people dying in the jail, right? Like, I, 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 I fundamentally, I agree with you that 
the current state of the of the of the King County Jail is bad, bad, and 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 not just bad and sort of oh let's just get the staffing up, but there needs to be more than just restoring the staffing. They need to go farther in terms of of um, of of uh, focus on reentry and a focus well, on helping people that are going to be released, right? What, however long, you know, they spend there, they're going to get released. Dow Constantine so, has yeah. said he's going to shut down the downtown jail. Um, incidentally, uh, I think as part of the uh, sound transit uh, uh, plan that we discussed recently. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think um, we're, we're, we're push, pulling in two directions here um, from a county perspective. You know, one is um, a sort of anti-carceral perspective and let's let's not have this jail downtown. And the other is, um, you know, let's get lots more staffing so that we can jail lots more people. Right. Well, I totally disagree. Or at least yeah. some more people. Yeah. Erica, would you favor, you know, somebody is whatever, you, however you define high utilizer, and instead of going to jail, they go somewhere else where they're getting really high quality rehab and treatment, but it's not voluntary. I think involuntary treatment can work. Um, I think it, I, I do think it has to be case by case based on what their needs are. I think with, um, with opiate addiction, you know, having, um, I mean, one of the problems that Sandeep was pointing out is like when people leave the jail, they don't often have a warm handoff to buprenorphine treatment. So even if they start it in jail, it's very hard to, um, trans, you know, to translate that into, uh, on the outside. Um, but you know, I think when you say high quality treatment, I, I, I worry that you're talking about residential 28 day treatment still. Mm. Um, and a lot of people do well in outpatient treatment. I mean, it, there's different things that work for different right. people. I mean, we need to change our freaking drug laws so that it's much easier to get, um, Suboxone and much, it's much easier to get methadone and it doesn't become like this gauntlet of shame that you have to walk. Um, because, you know, these are, these are really important parts of treatment. Um, but our whole system now, I mean, honestly, it's just, it's just, you know, AA and good luck. And, you know, and I, I am, I am a proponent of AA for myself, right? I'm in recovery, uh, works for me when worked for me when nothing else did, but that is what we, I mean, literally that is, that is what we are sending people to yeah. is AA and good luck. Yeah. And yeah, no, it that didn't work, for, work me. for most people. Yeah. That does not work for most people. It did not work for me. Right. I mean, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, methadone saved my life. Right. And, and, but uh, NA did jack shit for me. <laughs> like I, uh, didn't work. Like I've mostly cause I don't want to, I think a, I don't like the higher power shit and B, I, I, I kind of didn't want to improve myself as a human being. I just wanted to not be on drugs anymore. And so all the, <laughs> the touchy feely self-improvement stuff, like I, I, sorry, I couldn't get past that, but, but, uh, I met some nice people, you know, and, and, uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but I, I, I know plenty of people, you know, and it, that I've met, you know, who are, who started treatment in an involuntary way. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible that that can work. I'm just saying what we're doing now isn't working. And to sort of suggest that the problem with it, as this report suggests, is that people, you know, are just irresponsible, lazy absconders. They, they did not uh, who say are, Who are they, failing. No, but I, that is what it suggests. No, no, what they it said. It does. Using the term. No, let me finish. No, let me I think, finish. Well, I think the implication let me finish. is important. Yeah. Let me finish. I think that the report suggests that people are being referred to treatment 
and dancing away like they've won the lottery because they don't want to go to treatment and they've absconded. And the fact is that, you know, if you're going to actually be serious about the problems, you have to look at the treatment and ask whether it is quality rather than saying that the people themselves are low quality or failures in some way, which I do think is what this report suggests. I don't think it says that at all. I think what this report says is that this cohort of the population is so impaired by addiction that sort of the standard voluntary kind of treatment options are are an almost utter failure with this population and that, hey, we tried it with these folks over this last year. And in all but a handful of cases, these people didn't even start the treatment, right? They they went back to the streets and just started using again. And look, and so I think this report is saying something like uh, we do need, it's not saying these people are horrible people. It's saying they're horribly impaired by a, a deep, deep, deep addiction problem that is making them not good candidates for sort of some of the sort of standard processes by which we try to try to get people in there. And so I do think there needs to be some alternative response here that. And their alternative call, is to, to start it in jail. And then as the report puts it, successfully graduate the person to the same old failed treatment system. Well, I think we need, right. And I think we, I think this is a lesson from this report that that doesn't work. So we need an alternative model no, of getting no, no. these people into treatment. That, yeah. But that's not what the report says. The report uh-huh. says that instead of doing, instead of letting people out into treatment, you know, and, you it, know, it soon, we'll do it later. I, 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 and I will quote from the report. If individuals stabilize during in-custody time, there's an opportunity to successfully graduate the individual to out-of-custody residential treatment after they have demonstrated active participation. So, again, same yeah. treatment that doesn't work. So well, I'm just saying that, yeah. I, that, I, that I, if we're going to take this seriously, we have, have, to, look the, at, we have yeah. to look at both ends of the spectrum, not just totally the agree. person, but the treatment itself. Is the treatment failing in some way? And this report is is not serious in that, you know, on that side of things. It doesn't I, I, even I have, consider I, I have, whether there's something wrong with the treatment. I have talked to folks that were involved in putting the report together, and I think they would say that there needs to be a different kind of and, – and probably – I, I mean, if they would say it, why don't they say it in the report? In, in, involuntary treatment is sort of a double edged I mean, there's a longer conversation to be had here about like, like some people just aren't ready. You can't force somebody to, uh, to, 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 you know, clean up right when they're not ready. Like that just is whether it's. Yeah, we agree you know, on that for sure. Yeah, right. I mean, so you, you can. Stop them for a time by some kind of involuntary stuff, but if they're not re- if they're not ready or willing to make the effort to stop, you're not going to be able to to make headway, no matter what kind of treatment program you put them in. They've got to be there. Now, I was just talking with with Caleb Banta Green, right, who's a UW uh, uh, professor who works on on um, addiction issues and and is you know very prominent in the city, and uh, he was saying eighty percent of people. That you talk to who are on the streets using addicted to fentanyl right now, when they when they talk to those people, about eighty percent say they would like to stop, right? You know, so um, once you're addicted and you're at that point on the streets, like, and I remember this from my own experience, I so much wanted to stop the last few years, like, and couldn't, right? And so it's not everybody. There's still twenty percent of people that are just telling them to fuck off, like, like well, them alone. Well, like, like, it's also not. It's also that's also not the case for meth addicts that's well the case that, that's another whole i mean there's a whole hour opiates. we could do 
on yeah. opioids and, are actually easier. And we e- could also talk to... about self-reporting and, and uh, what people say. I mean, there's tons of people who are right. homeless, you know, who will right. tell you. Um, you know, you can get them on camera and, and some people do saying, yeah, I love living in a tent. But, 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 um, but, self-reporting is not always the best no, measure of everything totally that we're talking but, but, about. But, but David, I mean, this is a kind of bad thing about this is that opioids are actually easier to treat than shit like meth, right? right? You know, like, like, and so yeah. as hard as it is, we don't really have chemical interventions for, for meth addiction. Right. And serious meth addiction that we're seeing a very high rates of on the streets of Seattle. We do have evidence based, you know, promising treatments, yeah. um, but, they're some, not, but they're not but they're not they're not drugs. They're not. You yeah, know, they're not drugs. A, and they're, and they're, and they're still pretty um, new and and and, you know, they're, they're promising. But but, you know, the 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 the. The verdicts but we aren't even trying any of that for any yeah. of these folks. I mean, like, look, look, I don't doubt that there are people in Davison's office who are taking this seriously and more seriously than I am reading from this from the language in this report and that this report says but i mean if our if our solution is really you know well you know maybe maybe we ought to try just keeping them in jail for a little longer and then putting them in the abstinence-based 28-day residential treatment then that's not a serious solution i mean the the thing that you're talking about for um for meth and you know and actually other stimulants is called contingency management at least i think that's what you're talking about um and it actually yeah. Oh, well, well, yeah. uh, well, I was just going to say that that actually is a, a pretty effective way. It's basically giving rewards for clean pee tests um, yeah. is the simplest yeah. way to you think of paid. it. And yeah, you, you get, get paid, paid to be clean. Yep. And, <laughs> and, and it's and it's effective. And it's not what we are trying on a large scale for folks who, you know, can't take Suboxone because they're they're using non opiate drugs. So I don't we're just we, we know what works. Um, or we know it works better. And to a large extent, we're not doing it. And when we are doing it, I mean, you, you can get on Suboxone in jail, um, which is great. This conversation has turned into one about whether or not the city attorney's office becomes the clearinghouse for really complicated solutions. Like contingency management and the reasons that we're not implementing contingency management has to do with a lot of things, none of which have to do with the city attorney's office. That's a much larger conversation, but it's not Ann Davison's job. How much do we expect the city attorney, you know, to come up with those with those solutions? You know, do we have the treatment centers? Do we have these other, you know, approaches sort of available to us where this population is going to get better help than they're currently getting? Like, so, so that's my question for you is like, sure, the, the report is, is maybe exaggerating certain things, but like, what, what's your expectation for what the city attorney's office itself ought to be doing? This report argues that, you know, that that putting people um, who are committing a lot of crime in jail lowers crime. You would actually reduce crime much more if you address the root causes. Um, and if and one thing that the city attorney's office working with the jail can do um, is to, you know, to, to if you're if you're going to induce some sort of treatment in jail, um, start with things that work rather than things that don't work. And certainly, you know, to your point about treatment beds, residential treatment beds of the kind that, you know, that we, that we put people in, uh, you know, or try to put people in um, through jail are in- incredibly short supply. I mean, you know, I was just talking to somebody today who said they were trying to get somebody who's homeless in treatment and, you know, they're, they're on a 40-day wait list right now. And by the time those 40 days have elapsed, who knows if they'll be able to find that person or if the person will still be willing to go. So clogging up these, you know, these limited treatment beds with uh, people who don't want to be there is 
you know, arguably um, not a great solution for everybody. But, you know, I mean, we could we could if we're inducing treatment in jail, if we're sending people to treatment in lieu of jail, which I think would be a better approach, um, it should be treatment that um, is actually evidence based and is actually effective. Um, And I don't think that is what we're doing. And I do think the city attorney uh, bears some responsibility for saying, you know, this is our general this is our approach to crimes that, you know, have drug addiction and mental illness and homelessness at their root. Um, and the city attorney is, say, is saying our general approach is jail. And I think, you know, other city attorneys have had a different approach. So I don't think it's fair to just kind of let let the city attorney off the hook and say, well, this is all she can control, jail or not jail, because that, that's not really true. Your your quote unquote root causes answer answer, for which is a standard left answer these days, you know, the kind of. Uh, 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 for this cohort of people that is engaging in low level criminal activity essentially on a daily basis, largely driven by addiction, some, to, to some extent, mental health issues as well. I find it, it just unconvincing and unsatisfying, right? Like, like, because you're ignoring all the harm, all the social, um, and, and civic harm that these people are, creating now, you know, when you have somebody who targets a specific, you know, small business or small business district and every single day is stealing or breaking into the stores in that neighborhood, that's super destructive of the of the social and civic fabric. And the idea that until, you know, that 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 the only response to that has to be this kind of, um, you know, root causes response I'm saying it's the only, I mean, it, it, so, so that, so the report did another thing that I, that I actually, I thought was really um, problematic, which is that they named a bunch of people um, who are very easily identifiable. And one of them is somebody that I wrote about um, who, who does exactly what, or who historically has done exactly what you're talking about, Sandeep, you know, so was sort of terrorizing um, a neighborhood (laughs) business district by going in and, you know, and she's, you know, very uh, mentally ill and would go in and knock stuff over or, you know, walk off randomly with a handful of pencils or, you know, whatever the store happened to be selling. Um, and uh, I would argue <laughs> that locking her up, which is Ann Davison's solution, actually does not. I mean, it, far from, you know, again, I wasn't saying that root causes and some, you know, some squishy solution and, you know, wrapping them with holistic um, uh, care is uh, is just a solution for that person. I'm saying it's also a solution for the neighborhood because otherwise what you're doing is you're locking them up. You cannot lock people up for misdemeanors um, in, in perpetuity. So eventually they're going to get out. And if they get out without um, support services and without uh, that, you know, all the things that I'm talking about, housing, mental health care, um, meaningful um, and accessible treatment, uh, they are going to go right back to that neighborhood and keep doing the exact same thing. And so you're just you're just playing. Uh, you're, 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 I hate the whack-a-mole um, uh, metaphor, uh, but you're you're just, um, you know, kind of putting off the problem until a later date and then arresting your way out of it again. And I don't think that's, I mean, we're, we're, we're a big city. We can do better than that. I think um, you're not going to get disagreement from me that we should be investing more in trying to address root causes. I don't think you'd get disagreement from Ann Davison on that. Right. Right. I mean, the, the question is, is that the only focus root causes when there's very, so we're not even addressing very tangible harm when somebody so, says you, as the term you use terrorizing a neighborhood like 
You got to step in and freaking do something. You can't be like, well, in a, you know, let's reimagine the entire sort of, you know, mental health and addiction treatment system. And once we do all of that and like in some magical day when we fix, then we'll then we'll go address the fact that this. Uh, I, I didn't say a magical uh, future system where everything is perfect. <laughs> I said, you know, that. We have evidence-based solutions that we know of now that work for lots of people. And for example, a, if you are to, if you are dealing with somebody with an opiate addiction and you put them on Suboxone, either while they're in jail or voluntarily, you know, not in a coercive setting, that is an effective treatment or at least the beginning of treatment for many, many people, it is evidence-based, and what we need is to have a warm handoff out of jail or to have a continuity of care so that they can stay on fucking Suboxone. All right, that's it for another edition of Seattle Nice. If you like this program, please help us keep it going and growing. Recommend it to your friends, your family. Please consider making a donation to help it keep going financially. Go to our Patreon account for that. Just search Seattle Nice and Patreon. You can also contact us by email. It's realseattlenice at gmail.com or on Twitter at realseattlenice on Twitter. And thanks everyone for listening. Mm-hmm.